Hi, folks, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess Sertikoff Ramola, a registered dietitian, dietitian supervisor, and owner of Empowering Dietitians, where I help burnt out and unhappy dietitians opt out of hustle culture and reclaim their passion and purpose as a human first and dietitian second. After all, we are all more than a dietitian. In this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast, I sit down with Stephanie Dodier, a clinical nutritionist, certified intuitive eating counselor, and founder of the Non-Diet Coaching Certification, a global professional training program. We sit down to discuss how common it is for healthcare providers, often unintentionally, to wind up co-opting and perpetuating the same underlying messages and oppressive systems of diet culture in our own work. We also talk about how to quote unquote undiet our work as dietitians and how we can incorporate cognitive behavioral coaching into our own self-development and self-reflection work. For more from Stephanie, follow her on Instagram at undietyourcoaching or check out the show notes for all of her links and resources. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for welcoming me, Jess, and hello to everyone. Absolutely. So for anyone who's new to you and your world, can you start us off with a quick who you are and what you do? Um, We'll go with the abbreviated uh, storyline. So I'm a reform dieter of 25 years. I'm a clinical nutritionist. And I'm a coach. Uh, I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So through my own journey uh, with health and my body and body acceptance, I have become someone who speaks a lot about intuitive eating and mindset and body image on the internet. I love that. I love that. How's that that introduction? It's fantastic. And it leads right into my next question of how did you really get into weight neutral Mm. care and intuitive eating? Uh, 25 years of dieting. So my first diet was at 12 years old when my body had a growth spur. So I Mm -hmm. grew almost a feet in a year and put on weight and I started to have a belly and that is, so I'm 47. So we're talking about beginning of the eighties, mid eighties and the world was extremely low fat, fat phobia. All my aunts and my moms were on diet. So I got onboarded. The, into the dieting of passage. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's when my life started. So really, as my brain was finalizing its last stages of formation, I learned not to trust my body, that there was a problem with my body, that I couldn't feed myself following my own intuition. And so it reshaped my brain and who I was. And I pursued that for 25 years, not thinking there was any other ways. And then uh, in clinic, clients, I started to struggle with my own relationship to food, like deeply involved into binge eating behavior, because Mm -hmm. after 25 years, the behavior just escalated. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for solution on how to control binge eating. 
It's usually where we start. <laughs> we it's like the control, right? So, and then clients, coincidentally, I'm using air quote here. Um, three clients in two weeks brought me a book on their own, bought me a book and dropped it on my desk, which was Health at Every Size by Dr. Lindo Bacon. Mm. The first two times they left the office, I threw it in the garbage. Like there's no way. Yeah. There's just no way not dieting and not controlling food was a possibility. And by the third time, I'm like, okay, there's a message here because I'm still the a universe spiritual is person. Trying, trying to tell you something. Stop throwing it away. <laughs> so by the third time, I took it home for the weekend and I started reading it and it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of and people have that experience. I couldn't do what I was doing. So I closed my practice, closed my clinic. And one thing led to another, I wanted to travel and to do online world. That was like eight years ago. The online world was not what it was here. No. So to do a webinar, I had to hire three people, like kind of yes. stuff. Like it was like really complicated, but I went feet first and I gambled everything on going online and teaching the non-diet approach. And here we are eight years later. Amazing. I I love that story. And I, I appreciate you saying that the first time, few times you were exposed to it, you were just like, no, absolutely not. I, the same thing. The first few times that people talked to me about the book, Intuitive Eating or Health at Every Size, I was like, no, no, just no thanks. I'm not even going to look into it. And it sometimes takes because it's so conditioned into us and normalized yeah. to have that weight centric approach to be able to, to really have that full paradigm shift can take your brain some time to come around to. It not it it can it will take like I've come yeah. to the conclusion like I expect it I don't <laughs> like expect the two percent it's like people who make six figure in six months in the online world <laughs> that is like the point one percent yeah I'm gonna gamble for the ninety nine point nine percent your brain's gonna fight you <laughs> yeah and that's actually how I got into mindset and cognitive behavioral modeling is my own struggle of accepting my body for me was my body. Yeah. Food, I, I was back in the days, Evelyn was doing a lot of one-on-one. So I was <laughs> fortunate that I did my work on intuitive eating with Evelyn. So it got really like to the point very quickly because I had yeah. the best person in the world to coach me. <laughs> the body image was not the same thing. So I had to get into the world of mindset work. And that yeah. took my practice into a different perspective. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about that mindset piece today. Um but before we get into that quickly, what made you make the shift? So you work with clients yep. for nutrition counseling, but you yep. also work with other practitioners on mm. uh, what you call undiet your coaching yeah. practices. Can you tell me kind of briefly what inspired you to make that shift and to add that to the work that you're doing? One word, demand. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so... Just like eight and a half years, nine years ago, there was there's really no intuitive eating program in the world. Mm -hmm. Just four years ago, there was no coaching specialized or program to train practitioner or to like build a business according to our value. Mm -hmm. So people started to come to me four and a half years ago and I did a lot of one-on-one. And then like the demand. So I started a group and then in the beginning was just a mentorship. And then it became with 
eighth cohort certification Amazing. on body image. All, all of it surrounded cognitive behavioral modeling. So how to use the mindset with food and with body image and with health. Just focus yeah. on behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some of the ways that you've seen other practitioners, maybe even yourself through this yeah. process, um, co-opting kind of those same underlying messages and oppressive systems mm-hmm. of diet culture in our own work? I think it, it's it's our lack of knowledge around behavior. It's funny because I was just coaching on that. Most of us were trained to tell people what to do. Yes. Education. I mean, not counseling, right? Like here's a worksheet, here's the thing. And here's what, like I was trained to make, I don't know about you, but make a a plan, a treatment plan that was like Mm -hmm. 12 to 15 page long and give that to people. (laughs) Like what do you want people to do with this? Right. And so we come to the world of the intuitive, we'll call it the non-diet approach to globalize all of it. And unknowingly, we do the same thing. Well, here's the 10 principles of intuitive eating. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then client comes to the next session and it doesn't work. And we're like, okay, so what do I do now? Like it's supposed yeah. to work. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So we I don't change our approach. We change yeah. the conversation, but we don't but, change the way we teach and coach yeah. or even coach. We don't know how to coach. Yeah, I, I do see that quite a bit, especially when it's um, rather than kind of this amorphous non-diet approach, if a, if a dietitian is drawn to intuitive eating specifically, the fact that there are 10 principles can set us up to view it very systematically, very rigidly of like, I'm going to teach you step number one, check. Now we're going to move on to step number two, check. And you're right, it winds up being this dietification of something that was never yep. intended to be. And it's not your fault. Right. Because that's how we were trained. So we take that training and says, okay, now we're just going to do intuitive eating in the same way, not knowing that there has to be another way. The problem is not only that we give people meal plan, the problem is also how we talk about the meal plan with the client. So it's a dual approach that both angle needs to change. So I call that we're consultant instead of coaches. Yes. So, so what is the shift then? What is the, I don't want to say solution, but what do we do instead to kind of uncondition ourselves from that learning? The best way I can explain it to people is understanding where we'll take eating for an example, understanding where the eating pattern come from. So they're eating behavior. So they're not like a fact or belief. People react with their eating to something else that's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. Anxiety, depression, fear. People don't binge because they woke up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to binge. Yeah. They binge as a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. to something else that's going on in their life. The sum of how they believe and think and their emotion. So if we really want to do the non-diet approach, we can't target the behavior like we did with dieting. We have to target what caused the behavior, whereby the cognitive behavioral model. 
So I believe that every single program around food, around eating, around health should include training on how we create human behavior. And it's not right now. Of course. Yeah. And it is really, like you said, getting to the root of it. I think so often we focus on these surface level goals or desires or or conditioned beliefs, and we don't really dig into the why behind them to connect to that deeper value or the deeper uh, cause, trauma, whatever is underlying it. And what I found when I explained that to people, they're like, oh, that makes total sense. And then they retrieve back. Because it's a foreign land for them. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I, I, I got to talk about their belief system. I got to talk about their thinking. I don't even do that for myself. So how can I go out into the world and meet my patients and my client with thought coaching or belief coaching when I don't even know my own? Yeah. So for me, the, the starting point is to look at your own thoughts, your own emotion. And to remove that fear, like to live in a world where you look at your thoughts and you like become emotionally resilient and process mm-hmm. your emotion, and then approaching your clients and your patient will be normal because that's yes. how you approach yourself. Yes, yes. And it, it really dials back to, you know, I'm going to get excited about this because yeah. this is what I do for yeah, a for living. It. But, <laughs> but I, I often talk about the fact that when we feel uncomfortable or we feel insecure in a skill set, we often try to say, what can I do to, to improve this skill? And we don't often gravitate to step number one, which is what can I do to regulate myself, to sit with this myself, to work on myself. We focus more on those like external tangible, like I'm going to learn cognitive behavioral counseling skills. I'm going to learn motivational interviewing. And while those are great and have their place, we also have to learn how to kind of be a human ourselves. I call that embodiment. And that's yeah. what attracted me to you when I found you on the internet is like, she not only talks about supervision, but she lives it. Oh, she's my person. <laughs> like, like I got to bring her into my world because she's not intellectualizing supervision. No, she's it's actually embodying it, which it, is my whole like yeah. line. Yeah, you have support. to embody it. It's so much about just having another human in the room, recognizing your humanity. And when we see that happening for us, we can then do it more effectively and compassionately with our own clients. Exactly. So I think I was watching a video of you processing your emotion and like sharing that with your people. I'm like, oh, that's what I do for a living. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I like, I live what I teach because... To me, that's the highest level of building confidence in my clients or my professional that I coach is by them watching me embodying it and mm-hmm. talking about the embodiment and them witnessing each other embodying it. And yeah. I think that's just a way of living. It's no yes. longer just in the brain. It's in the tissue. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it becomes like confidence. We sometimes think is like the once I believe in myself or I have all the skills, I'll feel confident. But it's usually more of that like deeper knowing of yeah. yourself and recognizing that kind of no matter what happens, like you will get through this. You can cope with this. You can process this and or you can find the support that will help you do it. Yeah, you've right? got I call that having your back. Yeah. 
when exactly. you when you embody your work and like sometimes when I talk about becoming an intuitive eating coach dietitian nutritionist I'm like can you can you imagine teaching intuitive eating and not being an intuitive eater it just wouldn't make sense yeah. because you wouldn't know how to coach like hunger where is it in the body when it comes to the reason why your people binge it's in your thoughts, it's in your emotion. And you can't coach that from the model of CBC. No. You have to be able to like be in it with your clients and your patients. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the kind of whole tool chest comes in, yes. right? Like intuitive eating is one skill set, one paradigm, one philosophy. CBC is more um, and gives you a different angle and approach. And so we yeah. can create this whole collection of yes. different theories and practices that can help us in different situations and from different angles. I like to think of it as CBC being a facilitator of intuitive eating. It facilitate yeah. it. It's not one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's the combination of the two. Absolutely. And so we focus, we kind of talked a little bit about the cognitive behavioral coaching and, and how you have found that to be very valuable. What tips can we glean from that to kind of care for ourselves first and foremost mm -hmm. and, and challenge some of our own systemic or societal conditioning? So let, let's talk about societal conditioning. I think because the CBC and its purity does not address social conditioning. So for anyone familiar with CBC, it just says your thoughts creates your feeling, your feeling creates your action. Mm -hmm. But my approach has a layer deeper, which is where does your thought come from? Yes. Where did you learn to have this thought? Because you weren't born with this thought. Your brain is like an open source computer when you're born. It's like a blank slate. Mm -hmm. And then people start inputting mm -hmm. from like zero to like typically 14, 15, 16. Yeah. And then you start forming your own belief after that. So where did you learn to think that? This is when we can start looking at societal conditioning. And yes. for me, when somebody like made me understand that, this is how you can link the thin ideal. This is when you can link body positivity. This is when you can link diet culture into your coaching is your, you and your client have been conditioned to think these thoughts. Yeah. Yep. So in a way you've been conditioned to feel this way, to feel ashamed of your body, to feel that you need to control food. That's the societal conditioning part. And it's, to me, it's critical that we bring that into our coaching in our field because people often will get stuck in, well, something's wrong with me. I just should not want to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like, nothing's wrong with you. It's like, to me, it's totally normal. You want to lose of weight. Course. In this society, of course it is. There are 10,000 reasons why it would be feel beneficial or desirable to want to lose weight in in the world that we live in yeah so not so, pathologizing it it's like to make soul some we call that normalization yeah. in the world of nervous system regulation say so we're going to normalize you having this thought and then for you as a practitioner 
where is your socialization to the way you approach your client? What's your socialization to how you do business? Yeah. How is that impacting you? Let's forget about food and body image. Toss that on the side. How you're approaching this. And I was seeing you talking about uh, burnout. So I think it was burnout you were talking about and how we're conditioned to work a certain way, but it goes yep. against our I actual rhythm social conditioning. Yep, exactly, exactly. Right. And what, one of my favorite things to do with dietitians is to have them understand. So I have different worksheets or you know conversations or uh, journal prompts that help them peel back those layers of okay, you feel like you have imposter feelings, you feel like you know you struggle with your confidence, your work ethic, you're tying your worth to your productivity. All of these things that dietitians will come to me with. Let's understand where that's coming from. What is the the messaging that got downloaded into your system yes. that that taught you that and that we now don't even question it? It's just kind of our idea of how the world works. And so it, it's the way you approach your business, the way you approach your relationship. I mean, we could go in relationship talking and as a self-identify woman you approach relationship a certain way as a woman sure. in a patriarchal world mm-hmm. you approach business in a man's way mm-hmm. yeah right so let's not try to run away from that just just first of all let's acknowledge that and let's have compassion oh that's why i struggle so much i have so much anxiety in my business it's because i'm trying to do it the men's way Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and this- can we talk like about how we don't even realize that it's the man's way? We just no. categorize it as the way. We don't because we've never been presented with an alternative. So these kind of surreptitious, really sneaky systems that we don't visibly consciously see on a day-to-day basis are actually influencing everything that we're doing. Everything. So let's talk about social justice, right? This has been in our field, a really hot topic, right? Yep. The last three years, the way to make sure you are providing safe advice or safe consulting, but whatever you do, the safe way. So you're not like harming people. Minimizing harm. Sure is by bringing in the world of thoughts and belief and looking at where those thoughts come from completely neutrally. So if you want to ensure you're safe for your client, that's the path to do it is, is like looking, okay, where did you learn that? Like, let's go in your experience and let's figure it out and then consent. Yes. Yes. And that, that brings up so a lot of the the work that I try to expose dietitians to, which you can look up on on your own yeah. too if you're listening and you're and you're interested um, in it. Uh, things like learning about worldviews—that's not really a phrase oh, yeah. that we we use very often, but that's what what we're talking about here. Basically, is how were you taught to look at the world? And recognizing that different people from different cultures, from different lived experiences actually have different ways of seeing the world. And so this one way that we were conditioned to be the only way or the right way is only one possibility. Right. So learning more about this way of looking like my way is the right way. Yep. Yep. And, and it's, there's so much, I think that sometimes when we start thinking about these thoughts, like you said, we're normalizing having the thought, we're also removing the judgment and the shame and the guilt 
for having the thought because you weren't the one that consciously adopted it. It was kind of just infused into you. And as we learn better and we become more aware of it, that's when we can start making the intentional shifts. And that's the key of any shift that it is for your client to shift to not controlling food or you to change your approach to helping or treating your, your patients is to say, do I agree to change? And that's the consent piece Mm -hmm. and even self-consent. Like if I make you aware that, I don't know, the way you're talking about health is for me as a fat person makes me feel stigmatized. Do you want to change? Most people skip that and then they (laughs) force themselves into changing and that result in rebellious behavior and struggle and being stuck. Yeah. Well, it's where the shoulds come in, right? Like I should want this. I should do this rather than doing that gut check of like, is this actually where I want to be moving? And am I ready? Yeah. Am I ready to change my beliefs about X, Y, and Z? And when you, let's go into counseling, when you bring that up to your space with your client to say, okay, so this is why, this is why you're binging right now. We've just unpacked it. If you want to stop binging, that means we we have to change your beliefs about food mm-hmm. and about trusting yourself. Do you want to do that? Your client will probably go in the space of being stunned. Like I've never been asked if I wanted <laughs> to do this. But that has so much power for changing the behavior. Because now it's not you telling them, it's them deciding they're going to change their beliefs about food. Now, now on the flip side, if someone either, either they say yes, because again, the conditioning is I'm supposed to say yes here. So I'm going to say yes, but deep down, I'm freaking out about this or actively resist it of like, I don't see why this is necessary. I don't know where we're going with this. I don't think I'm ready for whatever reason. Isn't in that like actively ready to change space. How do we hold space for that? We acknowledge it. For me, it's like, okay, so you're not ready. Let's like meet yourself with compassion. You're not ready for this. So what do you think you can do right now? So let's have the conversation about the desire to lose weight because that's always where we go at that Mm -hmm. point where my client wants to lose weight. Okay, great. Sure. Like I, I know you want to lose weight and this is why you want to lose weight and fat phobia and all of that stuff, but I don't want to change. Great. Okay. I respect that. So what, do you think you should do at this point? Like, what's your option? You don't, you want to continue to control food. Okay, great. But this is what will happen. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of that? Yes. So you're aware that if you continue to control food, you will perhaps binge. You're consciously aware of that. Great. Okay. What do you want to work on next? Like it's again, consenting to them saying, I want to continue this way. And this is what will happen. I'm okay with that. It's now they've made an empowered choice. Right. It sounds like, again, sometimes I I think, and I felt this pressure before, I'm sure others listening have felt this pressure to like, say the perfect thing that is like the huge light bulb revolutionary thing, and wanting to have the right strategy to like, get them to where they say they want to go. But it sounds like in this approach, it's almost simply naming what is in existence right in this moment. And and making sure that you're both on the same page 
as each other. You describe consent. Yeah. Right? So, so it's a three, for me, when I teach people to coach, it's three step. Step one is determining what is, like clearly identifying what cause whatever you want to change. Mm-hmm. That applies to business, by the way. So if you're struggling in your business, you go to a supervisor and she will identify why you're struggling. Mm-hmm. And then you need to sit with yourself and say, do I want to change? And either way are good. Like your job as a professional is not to determine what's right or wrong. It's to give companionship to your client to whatever way they want to they want to go. And when people typically say, no, I don't want to change, it's simply because they're afraid. Yeah. And that's super valid. And we want to be able to to sit with that. And create safety for that. Often when you create the safety for whatever choice they have of not changing, people will come back very shortly after and say, you know what? I thought about this because now you open the say the place of non-judgment. Yes. Like, you know, I've been thinking about what you said last week and you know, like, I don't want to binge no more. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm ready. (laughs) Why? Because you as the provider, you open the safe space. Yeah. And gave them autonomy too. Yeah, so much. Again, there are power dynamics that are inherent in the counseling relationship that no matter how amazing you are, you can't get rid of them completely. And so trying to level that playing field and give them their power back can really lead to huge shifts for someone because it's not someone telling them what they have to do. It's them giving you permission to do what you want to do. And I'll go back and start from the starting point. Typically, the reason why we struggle, whatever the struggle is, it's a rebellious behavior of some kind to something we don't know. And that rebellious behavior is created by thinking you don't have a choice. Yeah, so true. That desire to control comes from feeling like you don't have control. Right. If you think about business, I got to show up on social media seven days. I just don't have a choice. I have to. That will create you avoiding social media. Yeah. Yeah. And then eating is the same thing. Thinking you have to control food because like whatever will Mm -hmm. create the binge, the like compulsive eating and all of that because you think there's no other way. When you open, there's many ways. The rebellious part of your brain, the unsafe part of your brain just tames down. beautiful i love that amazing and i think that that offers a really full circle note to end on are there any last minute thoughts that you want to share with our listeners if they're interested in this conversation and starting to implement some of these perspectives i think for your audience the main objection that i get at this point well that is Therapy. And I want to clarify the difference. Please do. That was that was one of the things that I was hoping we would touch on. So I wanna I wanna kind of and and I came up to this answer by having therapists in my program and helping me define the difference between therapy and coaching. Mm -hmm. And through many conversations, which some of them on my podcast, therapy is in the past. Therapy is about uncovering and making peace with the things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Coaching is the present moment and the future. So I when like you think about 
behavioral patterns, business or eating or whatever, your role is to understand why what's happening is happening <laughs> in the moment. And then, yeah, there could be some ingredient in that formula from the past. And then you refer sure. out. Sure. We're not healing the past. We're not oh. diving deep into the trauma of the past. We might uncover something. And then, like you said, refer. We refer out. Okay. There's some kind of trauma, sexual mm -hmm. abuse. Often it's sexual abuse with women and body image. Yep. We refer out. We have a great system of referral. We're going to work on whatever's happening in the moment and the desire for whatever goal you're patient gave you for the future and we're going to stay within those boundaries so coaching is the now mm -hmm. and the future and therapy is like going and making some kind of peace with the past and unpacking yeah. the past yeah, yeah so don't fear that bringing coaching in your practice will make you will put you at danger as long as you understand present and future, that would be my number one thing I want to make sure people understand. Yeah. And the best way for you to get that is to coach yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I teach self-coaching so people can really see what it is. And once you start self-coaching, you're like, I can do this with people easily because I know the boundaries. Sure. So that sure. would be my word for your listeners. Beautiful. I, that comes up a lot. We get we get drilled into our heads as dietitians scope of practice. And so we get very scared of going yes. outside of what we're quote unquote supposed to. So I appreciate that distinction quite a bit. And uh, if anyone listening wants to hear more from you, learn more about undieting their own coaching practice yeah. as dietitians, uh, where can they connect with you? So since we're in a podcast world, I'm going to shift you over to my podcast. I actually Beautiful. got two podcasts. I've got Undiet Your Coaching, which is streamlined just for professionals on business topic and coaching topics. And then if you're like new to this whole non-diet world, the Going Beyond the Food Show is an OG podcast that is seven years old. That wow. I know. <laughs> October will be our seventh year anniversary. Amazing. So back in the days, like we have all kinds of episodes unpacking the non-diet approach and all kinds of good stuff on there. So go to my podcast. And then if you want to come to my website, www.stephaniedoze.com and hit the professional tab and you will see we've got master classes and training program and so forth. Fantastic. And of course, those will all be in the show notes. So if you're driving, if you're walking, if you've got your hands full, there for you if you need it. Uh, but thank you, Stephanie. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, everyone, for meeting you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two things you can do that dramatically help to support the show. First, leave a quick rating and or review on your podcast listening app of choice. This helps new listeners find the show. Second, sharing this episode with a dietitian friend can also go a long way in spreading the anti-hustle message to dietitians far and wide. And speaking of supporting one another, please don't be a stranger if you find yourself in need of that supportive space yourself. There are a number of ways to work with me, from one-on-one -on -one supervision packages to my course, Abundance, and periodic live classes and workshops. The best way to stay up to date on which of these services and offerings are available at any given time 
grab my free dietitian journal to sign yourself up for my email list at www.empoweringdietitians.com resources. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E-S.